This week on the sidelines, we're joined by Betsy Ross, best known as one of the first women to really break into the sports anchoring scene on a national level. She is a former ESPN news anchor and currently working as a sportscaster for Fox 19 here in town. She also has her own marketing firm called Game Day Promotions. On this episode, we'll talk about Betsy's broadcasting journey. Who inspired her to become a sports broadcaster? What was it like hosting the 1996 Olympics? How has social media changed the sports broadcasting industry over the years? And which platform should young aspiring sportscasters be using most? What was it like being live on the air when September 11th happened? We've got a lot of ground to cover. Lindsay, start us off. Betsy, you wear several hats from all of your history in this business. I want you to take us back to day one. How did you get into the broadcasting communication business? Oh, day one. Uh, it was never planned, as so many of these things are. Uh, I always liked sports, and I got it from my mother's side, not my dad. Uh, my mother and I were the ones who would sit in front of the television on New Year's Day and watch the four bowl games. When I was growing up, there were only four bowl games on New Year's Day. But we would sit there from the Cotton Bowl all the way through to the Sugar Bowl after midnight. And, you know, my dad would just throw up his hands and go hunting. I mean, he just got out of the house. But um, I really got my love of sports from my mother. But back then, there weren't that many women that I could see doing sports. So it never really occurred to me that I could make a profession out of it. I always wanted to write. And so I had that in my mind that I was going to be a journalist. I wanted to be a journalist. I knew that from sixth grade. I knew I was going to write. I knew I was going to be a reporter, a journalist, something in that field. And it really wasn't until I got into my working years that I thought that, well, maybe that I could make sports a profession. And it was, again, kind of a, an accident. I was uh, going to graduate school, and I was working for the South Bend Tribune newspaper. And I was on the copy desk, but right across the hall was the sports department. And sports in northern Indiana and southern Ohio or southern Michigan, very much like this area, big in high school sports, big in high school football, big in high school basketball. And then, of course, you have Notre Dame. And so... That sports department, as all sports departments are, they don't have enough people to cover everything they want to. So I just kind of walked across the hall one day and said, hey, do you need help? And so I just volunteered to start covering high school sports there in northern Indiana. And that's really when I got involved in the day-to-day. Every weekend I'd be out covering sports, and then they had me do some Notre Dame games. And so I kind of dipped my toes in that, and I thought, okay, I, I, I can make a job out of this somehow. So. And I want to go back to 1996, covering the Olympics. What was that like? That was amazing. As somebody that I, I was talking to um, a couple of months ago, who was also down there, um, said it was it was a great experience until the bomb went off. And that is very, very true. But um, it was in 1996, the Olympics in Atlanta, the stars aligned, and we probably had almost two dozen athletes in this area who were going to the Olympics. I mean, everything from track and field to swimming and diving, uh, rowing, archery. We had so many kids in this area who were going to compete. So it became a news story. And I was working at Channel 5 then. Of course, Channel 5 was the Olympic, is the Olympic station. And I said to my news director, said, I want to do this. I want to cover. And so um, I covered the Olympics from one year out 
they had a big press thing in Atlanta about one year out and what the venues and everything looked like. And um, I covered uh, our local kids who were going to the Olympics. I, Because we had so many, that was the year of the Magnificent Seven and the gymnastics team, and we had JC and and uh, Mary Lee Tracy who was the coach and uh, Amanda Borden. And so... Um, because of them, and we did so many stories on them, then I started to cover the Olympic trials for NBC. I covered the uh, gymnastics Olympic trials in Boston. I covered the swimming and diving uh, Olympic trials in Indianapolis. So I kind of dipped my toes into that as well. I had the chance to do some network reporting and then, of course, went down to uh, the Olympics. And it was it was, it was was a great time and until that happened. and Because I remember the night that that bomb went off, um, that evening I interviewed J.R. Ewing <laughs> because the uh, state of Texas had like just a huge pavilion right there off the Centennial Plaza. And uh, Larry Hagman was there and they were promoting Texas to be the host. It would have been what, 2012. Uh, and so they were uh, promoting Texas to be the next host. And J.R. Ewing's there, and I'm interviewing J.R. Ewing and all that stuff. And then, of course, the bomb went off, and um, it just changed the whole tone of the Olympics. But that doesn't take away from it being just a great experience to be down there. And, um, I mean, these are the best athletes in the world, and you got to cover them, and it was just so exciting. A little bit of a pinch-me moment (laughs) for you. And, And then also going to ESPN. Is it true that you would make the commute from Connecticut to Cincinnati? I did. I um, from that coverage of uh, the Olympics. It was right when ESPN was getting ready to launch ESPN News, and they wanted to find people who knew sports, but who could anchor like a half hour, an hour at a time, because most sports, as you know, is a couple of minutes segment, two and a half minutes segment. So they wanted to find somebody who had the experience who could anchor long format, but then still knew sports. And so they had seen my coverage of uh, the Olympics, and they knew my news background, so they knew that I could anchor for a long time. So uh, I went up to Connecticut. I interviewed. Uh, I turned them down the first time. Well, turn them down. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's be nice. I turned them down the first time. Uh, and then uh, that was in the fall, and then the spring of 97, um, they came back and said they were they – were, they had already launched ESPN News, and they were kind of in their second wave of hiring. And they came back and said, are you sure you don't want to come in? I go, you know what? Why not? And uh, so I was there for five years. But I I was and I still am um, uh, an adjunct professor at Xavier. And I was teaching on Thursday nights. And so ESPN was really generous with adjusting my schedule. So I either had like Wednesday, Thursday, or Thursday, Friday off. So I could fly back, teach. You know, do the things you do on your days off. You do the laundry and, you you know, you do your errands and all that. And then uh, flew back. But I tell you what, I I would fly back with Tom Jackson, uh, Merrill Hodge. You know, so many people did that because we had so many people here in the Cincinnati area who were working up at ESPN. So we'd all fly on that 7 a.m. Saturday to, uh, <laughs> to Hartford, Connecticut. But, I, I mean, it, Lindsay, you know, if you're a sports fan, that's where you want to be. I mean, every ounce of of anything, any resource you want, you've got it right there. And it was it was so much fun. Uh, 
everybody was so great and so welcoming and it was it was just an amazing experience when i got there there were like 56 anchors across like all the platforms five of them were women it was robin roberts chris mckendry um linda Cohn, pam ward and me there were five females out of how many you said like like about 56 57 across espn sports center espn 2 uh espn news there were yeah there were about there were less than 60 across the board but five of us were women unbelievable which kind of uh you know you talking about um you know the the path anybody that's been in broadcasting knows it's not just a Simple walk down a, you know, <laughs> sunflower. Tra- it's it's a long, tough journey. What advice would you give to a young girl that wants to be in your shoes, wants to be in sports broadcasting? What would you say to her? I always say, if if this is what you want to do, do it. And that sounds simple, but as you said, it's not. The great thing about communication broadcast, media, whatever you want to call all these platforms that we have now. The great thing is that I don't have to wait for ESPN to call me. I can have my own show. I can do my own thing. I can have my own blog. I can have my own YouTube channel. And I can do interviews. I can post my blogs. I can do opinions. I can do so much on my own. I don't have to wait for somebody to call me. You know, do the Justin Bieber route. Just go on YouTube and start throwing stuff out there. Somebody will see it. Somebody will see it. So I think that's the great thing now about the opportunities that are out there. You can make your own opportunity. And so many people have been able to parlay that. You know, we call them influencers or whatever you want to call them now. But so many people have parlayed that into what you might call a traditional broadcast job. Because nowadays they have more followers than a lot of the so-called traditional reporters and newscasts. So that, I think, is the great thing about it. You can make your own opportunities now. You can get stuff out there. You can position yourself as an expert in whatever. If I want to cover auto racing, I'm going to just start covering it on my own. And you'll be amazed that if you call people and say, can I interview you for my blog or my whatever, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. They'll do it. Um, and I think that's the great thing about it. People want to tell their story, and they, and, and they want to help you if, if, if you're getting started. They want to help you get started, and people are more than generous with their time. So that, I think that's my advice. If this is what you want to do, do it. And the great thing about it is that you can do it now, and if you hate it, it's fine. Who cares? Then go do something else. Try something else. But try it early in your career. I always tell um, kids in my class, there are so many opportunities while you're in college to do broadcasting or work in sports journalism or sports marketing or whatever. There are so many opportunities right there on the college campus. And if you find out you hate to sell tickets, Find out while you're a junior and don't find out once you graduate and you get that lower level job with some team. Find out early and then switch. Who cares if it doesn't work out? It doesn't work out. That's what college is for. You try different things and if it doesn't work out, try something else. Yeah, and if anything, it's just beefing up your resume a little bit, you know. There's no shame in having a long (laughs) list of stuff you've done. (laughs) Absolutely. I tell people all the time, um, just when I talk to college students, 
that you really do have to create your own path. I think some people, it's fine to look up to someone who's in broadcasting or communications and say, I want to do that route. Nobody will have the same path as you. Mm -hmm. But how important do you feel the connections, the networking is in this business? It's very, very, very important. Uh, As I said, that when I got started, there weren't that many women doing what I wanted to do. I mean, it, it was Phyllis George. It was Phyllis George on NFL Today. She was the only one that you saw every week who was doing something with sports. And, and, you know, it seems funny now that you look at NFL coverage that's 24-7, 12 months out of the year. But the NFL Today on CBS was just one of these amazing shows that all of a sudden the pregame show was a half hour instead of like, you know, three minutes before kickoff. It was a half hour. And Irv Cross was there and Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. And, and then there was Phyllis George doing a feature story every week. Nobody else was doing that until then. And so then you saw these players, not as just players, but you saw them as human beings. You saw them as people. You saw them as dads. You saw them as sons. And she just opened it up, not just for women doing what we're doing, but I think it was a turning point in the coverage of the NFL because now it wasn't just X's and O's and plays, but then you got to see these players as people. And I think it drew in the casual fan. You know, you, you got the Roger Staubach story and, you know, his, his beginnings in Cincinnati and then in the military and this and that and the other, and you got to see them as people. I think that was a real turning point in coverage of the NFL and the interest of the NFL that, you know, now it's just this all-encompassing thing that's out there that we're all absorbed in one way or the other. Do you have a favorite Cincinnati sports moment or team from the past? Oh, brother. Well, I think we all, you know, we all love the Big Red Machine, having the 1990 World Series. That's when I, uh, when I came back here to Cincinnati. This is my third tour of duty in Cincinnati, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, talk, you talk about your long resume. You know, I started here right out of college at Channel 9. Uh, they went to Indianapolis where I covered the Pan Am games. Again, that's another city that so much of the news is sports news. And then I went to New York uh, to um, anchor for Sports Channel America, which which was kind of the umbrella organization for all these regionals that now you know them as Fox Sports Ohio and Fox Sports Chicago. They used to be Sports Channel Ohio and Sports Channel Chicago and Sports Channel America was kind of the umbrella. So I anchored sports there. Came back to Channel 5, uh, and my first live shot for Channel 5 was on the field uh, for the first game of the World Series in 1990, which was so exciting. Uh, And then I left for ESPN and then came back uh, in 2002 to start um, our PR business. And then I've been freelancing for 19 ever since. So, yeah, I, yeah, I can't hold a job either. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which your PR yeah. business, Game Day Communications, is correct? Yes. Um, which I'm very familiar with. Yeah. Yeah, they've, d- they've done, uh, you're all over town. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about that process. How did that come about? I, you know, my, my joke is if I knew I was going to start a business, I would have taken a business class somewhere along oh. the line. <laughs> Didn't. Yeah. Uh, thank heavens my business partner did. Uh it's it's a bit of a cliche, but when 9-11 happened, I and so many other people just started to reassess, like, what am I doing with my life? 
3,000 people are dead just because they went to work that day. And it was, it was one of these things. I was on the air that morning, and I, I was going to fly back home that afternoon. I had Wednesday, Thursday off. And so I was working the morning shift um, at uh, ESPN. And we're in the newsroom, and the first plane hit, and we all, you know, as, as newsroom humor is, you know, it's kind of a sick newsroom humor. Couldn't just see that building? And, and then all of a sudden, you know, however many minutes later, the second one hit, and we knew that something wasn't right. And so I went on the air, and we went across, like, all platforms, all international, everywhere, basically saying we know what's going on because we were in tape program and, and you know, reruns of games and exercise shows. And so we would cut in every few minutes and said, yes, we know what's going on. We encourage you to watch your local ABC station. We'll have the updates as we go on. And it wasn't until noon or so that, that the NFL started reacting and said, we're not going to play games this weekend. And MLB said, okay, we're not going to play games. And so we had a sports angle later on. So we were on the air just giving updates till I was, I was on the air till four o'clock. Needless to say, I wasn't going to fly home that day. Uh, but, I think that we all just kind of reassessed our lives and our purpose and am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And um, my mom at the time was living in um, in my hometown, Connersville, Indiana, and she was in her early 80s, and I knew that I needed to get back and, you know, keep an eye on her and take care of her. And, um, you know, it, the thought process was, okay, I've got to figure out a way to get back home. And uh, my business partner, Jackie Rowe, and I uh, had been kind of sketching out an idea for a PR company here in in Cincinnati. Because a lot of people were doing public relations and a lot of people were involved in sports, but nobody was really putting it together. And so we thought that there was maybe a niche, an opening for us, that if we could specialize in sports PR, there would be something for us. And... um, so we kind of moved up that timeline of when we were talking about doing this business. And uh, that following April, um, I left ESPN. I left my dream job. Um, I left my uh, uh, friends and all my colleagues at ESPN, came back here to Cincinnati. We started our business. And um, our first client is Flying Pig Marathon, still with us. And um, we have branched out from there. But probably about 60, 65% of what we do has something to do with sports, sports events, things like that. So we haven't strayed too far from that mission. But it was something that um, I don't want to say was out of necessity, but it was something that I think we sped up the timeline because I said, you know what? You know, flying was never a lot of fun before 9 11. And after 9 11, it was an absolute nightmare. And um, so I just said, you know what, the time is right. And so uh, came back here, uh, have not regretted a second of it because it's just been so much fun. I learn something every day. And um, I always say that, you know, we work too hard not to have fun clients and and we love our clients. And, you know, I kind of um, I want to circle back to you talking about, you know, you were live on the air when 9-11 happened. I'm always you know, Lindsay and I both being in broadcasting, I'm always so fascinated with this. How did that shift the broad, your broadcast that day? 
I know it just changes everything dramatically when something mm-hmm. so traumatic happens. I know. It was um it was one of these very surreal moments. I remember there was one cut in and you know, once once everybody kind of got a handle of what in the world just happened, because you really didn't know there for a while. And um I remember saying something to the effect about uh, we are following the news out of New York. If you haven't seen, uh, two planes have uh, hit the World Trade Center in New York in an apparent terrorist attack in the United States and went on and on and on. And I got off the air and I said, apparent terrorist attack on the United States. And I said, those were words that I had never, ever thought that I would ever say in my life. And I, I just remember when the words came out of my mouth and when I was done with that segment, I thought, wow. I mean, things that you would never have ever thought that you would say. I mean, and, and, and we're seeing it now every day on the news. We are saying and reporting on things that none of us would ever have ever imagined that we are doing. And we are. And that's the way the world is. But I think that that you know that if if you if you believe in karma and the and things that are supposed to happen the way they happen i think because of my news training and i was on the air it was a news story and so i kind of knew how to handle it um and i i think that just because things were changing so quickly and we didn't really get the sports angle until later on but it it's it's just surreal sometimes when you're reporting things like that. And I just remember when I said an apparent terrorist attack on the United States, I go, wow, and words I never thought I would ever say. Yeah. yeah. That's just one of those days where you remember where you were, what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I actually was just having a conversation with our morning show host, Jeff Thomas, about it. And he said... He was on air, I think, in Florida at the time, and he said he broadcasted live on the air for 14 or 15 straight right. hours. I mean, no breaks. You were probably just emotionally and physically drained oh, by yeah. the end of that day, I can imagine. Yeah, and um, because of course, the, the, the next shift would start at 4 o'clock is when we went on live at ESPN News, usually. And, yeah, I, I mean, they were bringing me water. They were bringing me food. I yeah. mean, you know, they were doing everything to keep me going there. Um, but it was so important for us to be on the air, even though it is a sports network, it was so important to us to say, yeah, we know what's going on. Please watch your ABC station. And then by noon or so, we got the sports angles that we could talk about and we could, we could do live interviews and we could have, you know, people's, um, opinions and thoughts and reactions to what was going on. But yeah, it's like, it's like the Challenger explosion. Um, I was, you know, I was on the air at, uh, at channel nine when that happened. And it's just one of these things that you never think that you will ever say those words, and and you do. So, you know that's 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 the thing about news is that you never know, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And as I said, we are reporting on things every day now that you never thought you would ever report on. It is. It's 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 very unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. And, and Betsy, just in this business alone, I tell people all the time from college students to girls who send me messages on social media and say, I want to work in this business. I do. I, I name drop you. I say Betsy Ross is someone you do want to talk to. But I want to end it on this interview question because I tell athletes all the time after a game, 
you can always learn lessons and wins or losses. What has been the hardest lesson that you've had to learn in this business? The hardest lesson, I think, is that um, a little bit of what you were talking about, it's not a straight path to get from here to there. Um, You have to be able to figure it out as you go. People will tell you no all the time. People will tell you no all the time. But those aren't the people who count. The people who love you and care about you are invested in you. They will tell you yes. They will they will encourage you. They will make sure that you have the tools you need and the resources you need. And they will tell you yes. And they will tell you, of course. You know, I always say that 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 my mother and father told me I could do and be anything I wanted to. And for some crazy reason, I believed them. <laughs> I believed them. And, yeah, people told, you know, told me no all the time. I got kicked out of, I, I can't tell you how many press rows and press boxes I was kicked out of. Because, ooh, the girl's in the press box. Well, you know. I'm sorry, we don't have room. Really? You know, there's like four empty chairs. Um, they'll tell you no all the time, but you have to listen to the people who love and care about you that will tell you yes. And I I always go back to when I was in graduate school and, and went to Chicago for the weekend and went to a White Sox game. And I was on the first base side, and I was watching the – they were playing Kansas City, and I was watching the Kansas City broadcasters and, you know, how they do their little pregame you know, thing, and they're talking to each other, and they're previewing the game. And I'm sitting there watching those guys, and I'm thinking – I'd like to do that someday. Why in the world that popped into my head? I have no idea doing <laughs> pregame for Major League Baseball, but I'm watching them do pregame. I said, I want to do that someday. I want to do that. And so when I get the chance to do a pregame at Great American Ballpark, I, I think back at that, and I think, you know what? It happened. And it doesn't happen in a straight line. Mm-mm. You have to kind of figure it out as you go. I always say you have, to, you have to be focused in what you want to do. You have to be flexible in how you're going to get there. And you have to be a friend. You have to be a friend to the next generation. You have to be a friend to people like you guys to bring you up and to have you succeed. Because, you know, Pam Ward always said, you know, because Pam, when we were there, she was doing um, play-by-play for Big Ten games. Female, during play-by-play, Big Ten. And I said to her, I said, well, how does it feel to be uh, um, uh, kind of this um, breakthrough broadcaster? How, how does it feel to uh, be on that path that you're kind of paving the way for everybody else? And she said, well, it's hard to be on that path if there's nobody behind you. And <laughs> and and that's very true. I mean, only now we're seeing Beth Mowens and and some of the other Doris Burke uh, do play by play for both men and women uh, in basketball and football. But you know, it's 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 hard to break down a path if there's nobody behind you. There's no reason for you to make that path if no other females are following you. So I think it's just very important for those of us. And, you know, when you guys get those calls and from little girls who say, I want to do what you're doing. You know, that's why I love the Rose Lavelle story, mm. because I know I'm sure that Rose Lavelle, because she's going to school in her little Mia Hamm jersey, 
you know, she saw those women, Mia Hamm and Brandy Chastain, she saw them play soccer, and she said, I want to do that, too. And there are little girls in the city of Cincinnati right now who are watching Rose Lavelle, and 10, 15, 20 years from now, they're going to be on the national team because they saw her, and Rose Lavelle is making a path for them. That's why I think it's just so important. Bring that next generation up. We've got to lift each other up. Wow. We do. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> we do. I love that. That so is much. amazing. I'm like goosebumps over here. <laughs> I'm going to use that line. <laughs> I know. Oh, my goodness. Betsy, thank you so much for being our guest this week thank on the you. sidelines. This was this was great. Uh, please rate and review us on your uh, podcast platform, whichever one you use, Apple, iTunes, or Spotify. Thank you, Betsy. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.